0: Today's guest is Allie Potter. Allie is owner and head coach of Fueled, a company dedicated to providing nutrition coaching and education for sustainable, healthier lifestyles. In this episode, we discuss the difference between solopreneurship and entrepreneurship, what it's like to lead a 100% remote team, the process of setting goals and boundaries, plus some bonus content. Enjoy. Enjoy. Welcome to the Ever Upward Podcast, where the extraordinary is the norm and the uncommon path is our guide. I'm your host, Jared Arnold, and in each episode I speak with experts in business, investing, and health, exploring common ideas tailored for the uncommon individual. Here we believe that the ordinary is for everyone, but the extraordinary is for those who dare to embrace it. Join us as we unravel insights, share stories, and unlock the secrets that propel us ever upward in the pursuit of a life well lived. This is the Ever Upward Podcast. Allie Potter, so good to see you, and thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Um, For those of you that don't know Allie or haven't had the privilege of meeting Allie yet, she is probably one of the most sincere and passionate people that I've ever met. Um, She's the type of person, she's going to laugh at this, she's the type of person that people tell their secrets (laughs) to. Um, She can be a good sounding board for life perspective, um, which I think is a leading factor for why she's good at what she does. Uh, she's the wife of an Apache helicopter pilot, which is pretty badass. <laughs> but she's just as badass herself, uh, having graduated top of her class at Vanderbilt, a prestigious university, and now um, after having a successful career in the nonprofit sector, she's leading a successful business. Uh, so, Allie, maybe let's start there to kick us off. You come out of college, you're focused on the nonprofit sector, and in the middle of a successful career. You make a change and start a business. So why the why the change? Yeah.
1: Well, first off, let me thank you for the generous introduction because I need to start my day off every day hearing that. So I really appreciate that. Um,
0: That's my goal. Then I'm going to start calling people and giving them a nice intro like that for the yeah, day. Yeah.
1: Set the set the tone for the day. Um, but as That's far right. as the business goes, it really, I really accidentally fell into it, um, which seems to be the case a lot of times um, with this kind of story. But as you mentioned, I have a bachelor's and a master's from Vanderbilt in seemingly unrelated fields, um, and my previous career in nonprofit management. Um, but at the time my passion for fitness was really growing. Um, and I first really pursued my continuing education in nutrition for my own use or knowledge, right? I, I wanted to learn how to best fuel my body. Um, and so I, I did just that, right? I got the information that I needed and it sort of grew organically or naturally from there um, as people wanted to learn from me. So it was not really what I intended to do with my life, but I really found that the flexibility of running my own business, especially um, in this kind of period of life where I am a military spouse and we move around a lot and um, that flexibility has been really a good fit, you know, for that, that sort of life stage that we're in, both with my husband's career, but then also um, as we now work to expand our family. So the the benefits of the flexibility and sort of the freedom that it's given me have been wonderful, um, in addition to being able to see and help people reach their health and fitness goals.
0: Yeah, and this wasn't maybe something that we prepared for, but I mean, was... Was there any aspect of that previous career that you've seen come through in what you do today?
1: Yeah, so my my previous my last job before launching the business, uh, we worked with a lot of different kinds of entrepreneurs and one of the things that one of my supervisor at the time really said that stuck with me was throw <laughs> she said that we throw spaghetti on the wall or at the wall and see what sticks, right? And that's a common kind of Thing that you hear in entrepreneurship, but it's not how I had really been operating, right? Like I was a high performer really my whole life, and I identified as that. So I took pride in doing a great job and not accepting less than perfect. And there are pros and cons to that, right? But in the in my career, that was rewarded. I was promoted really quickly. You know, I was seen as sort of a go to person, and it sort of fed. Into that, um, but when when I started, you know, thinking about entrepreneurship more by working with other entrepreneurs and seeing that people were just trying things out, right, and taking risks, and some of those things failed, and some of them worked, and that was really part of the process that you needed to go through in order to build a successful business. So that was, nece- it was necessary for some spaghetti to fall off the wall, right? So um, I think that sort of changed my mindset around who I was and and what kind of role I was capable of taking on, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, the term that I've heard uses a little bit more vulgar word than spaghetti, um, but I'll take it and we'll use it for the podcast <laughs> for sure. Um, so, you know, as you've gone through this process, um, you know, what are three things that have maybe caught you by surprise or maybe just three suggestions that you would have for entrepreneurs that are really getting started you know you you're in a unique business, right? you're subscription based model um so it can be a little bit different than maybe what some of the listeners are used to uh you know what three suggestions would you give to people that are you know pretty universal for their entrepreneurship?
1: Well, the first thing that comes to mind is the first thing I always tell anybody, regardless of what type of business they have but and I'm still learning this um this lesson, but the biggest thing that I have found to that's important is to know what you do best, do that and outsource the rest as much as possible, which I know is easier said than done. When you have a, a lot of us have a shoestring budget to start. Right. Um, but you can, as soon as you can do that, it's, it's really important. Right. Because especially if you're a one woman or one man show at the beginning, you're doing a lot of things that are not your competitive advantage. Right. So as soon as you have either the budget or resources, um, or network that you can outsource some of those tasks that either you're not as good at, frankly, or you don't have the time to do well, um, or you don't like the more time that you're spending on the, on the bread and butter of what makes you the right business owner for that, that company. Right. So that's the biggest thing that was hard to do at first, right. Especially when you are, like I said, working with a small budget, it's hard to devote resources to things you technically could do yourself but that frees up so much time and space and mind, really mindset to take the business where it needs to go. So that's like my number one thing I would tell anyone um, and have told people when they ask me that. Um, I mentioned the throwing spaghetti at the wall thing, but that that's another lesson that I've, I've learned and have really still been learning, which is you've got to take some risks and know that not everything is gonna work out. And that's really how you get to lean into creativity, right? I mean, I can think of marketing campaigns that we've tried that have flopped or partners that we've brought on that weren't a good fit. And at the time it seemed like a failure, but it opened up other opportunities or helped me sort of hone in what the business was really gonna be about. And so there are a lot of valuable lessons in taking those risks, right? And then the third thing I think I'd say is that, and this is something that I did not anticipate, but have quickly learned about being in this kind of role is that it can be really lonely at times. Um, Even if you are building a team around you, which I have started to do, it it still comes down to you a lot of the times. And um, because of that, you really have to seek out meaningful connection with others who have been or are in the same boat so to speak other entrepreneurs who can really understand what you're going through and support you in that
0: yeah so let's let's maybe stay there um because i saw you mention that in a couple of the articles that you've done or the interviews that you've done um and i think it's important because i i don't know that i've heard it from multiple sources uh at least not very often, right um, so what did you mean by you know it can be lonely and what would what advice would you give uh, to those that are experiencing a similar similar situation uh, especially you know keeping in mind that your business is completely remote and and very much online right um, and a lot of businesses similar are coming out of of COVID and and this whole work from home environment, so I think that's incredibly important. What advice would you give to to people in a similar situation?
1: Yeah, so a little bit more about what I mean. I definitely feel like there are plenty of ways to get um, what do you want to call it social time, right? I definitely I don't feel that that's missing from the remote aspect, um, but I think I think I expected my greatest support when starting something brand new like this to come from my best friends, right? Or my even my strongest professional contacts. You know, those were the people who I thought were going to be my biggest cheerleaders, and was really relying on them to help spread the word. Um, and people are quick to say, you know, let me know how I can support you. I want to support you. And then you give opportunities for that, often free, easy ones, like share this newsletter, and it's crickets. And maybe that's just my experience, but I don't think it is, based on what um, I've discussed with other small business owners is, you know, people are big to talk about how they want to support you, and then it's time to show up. And that's not always what happens. And so, you know, my biggest supporters, well, besides my mom, who does read every newsletter from start to finish. um, But besides that, really, my biggest supporters have been have been other entrepreneurs, some of whom I don't even know very well. But they know what it's like to be in that position where all the decisions do fall on you, and in some ways, the the business feels like a reflection of you personally, even though it is a separate entity, right? Like its successes and failures feel like my six and are my successes and failures. And um, I think there's a there's a vulnerability in being able to share that with other entrepreneurs, right? People who get it, people who understand the challenges, and either can give you advice or maybe more often or more, more importantly, just commiserate with that with that experience and what that feels like has been really valuable. So I think that's not really advice, but it's just, it has been valuable to me to connect with people who are in the same boat or have been in the same boat, even if we don't have much else in common, if that makes sense, yeah. because we have that shared of experience of we're at this alone. Yeah, no, We're I mean, I think that alone. makes
0: a ton of expense and or ton of sense, excuse me. And having known your mom, I would love to see the feedback she gives you on all these articles. Shout out to <laughs> Susan. Um, she's an amazing lady and has always stood she'll behind me. She'll listen to this too. I, I know she will. She's too. always stood behind me, um, which I appreciate. Um, so then let's maybe go into something. one of the, the other suggestions that you had, um, you know, taking risks. Um, just... Starting this business, right? Just moving on from your previous career was a risk. What are some of the risks yeah. that you've taken within the business, right? So post day one, uh, and and how do you see that come through in your success?
1: Yeah. So I don't want to downplay the advantages that I definitely had and have in my position, where I have a partner with a stable job. I've got great health insurance through that. We don't have kids, and so there have definitely been factors at play that have allowed me the time and freedom that I've needed to experiment, right. And take those risks. Um, and honestly, that's still the case because we reinvest a lot from the company back into growing the business. And I, I can't say for sure whether I would have taken the leap or at least not as soon, right. Into full-time entrepreneurship, if that hadn't been the case, um, so, just with that disclaimer that there are a lot of factors that kind of align that made this a good time and opportunity for me. Um, I think the hardest part has been that there's no, there's really no roadmap, right? Of course, there's other health and wellness. There's lots of health and wellness businesses out there, but when you're starting from something from scratch, and especially like I said, when you start out, if you are a one-person small business, you don't have others sharing that decision load. It's it's a lot of figuring things out on your own for the very first time. And it seems like there's always something new to figure out, right? You you finally get through one challenge and there's three more lined up to, to cover. And I think that's true for business in general, even when you aren't an entrepreneur. Um, the longer you're at this, the more sort of of that decision load you have to bear. Um, and I know you mentioned at the beginning, my, uh, my husband in the military. I do think that that's been... That need for flexibility that our lifestyle has created has sort of helped me manage some of the uncertainty that comes with um, with small business, if that makes sense. Because it's just it's not something I'm naturally comfortable with, but it is something that we've had to become comfortable with, just because of the moving around of all the changes that we've that we've gone through. And so, um, whether I've liked it or not, I think that that's prepared me for business where the outcomes are just as uncertain, if that makes
0: yeah, sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I've, I've seen you talk about it in some of, some of your other interviews. And obviously, you and I have discussed it you know, offline a little bit. But maybe dive into, uh, you know, I've seen you talk about how no matter how you prepare, things are going to go wrong, right? And this is something that we've talked about unrelated to, to business. But things happen. Life happens. Um, curveballs come your way. Obviously, as being a military spouse, you've had to move around quite a few times in a very short period of time, um, which creates change and curveballs, and you know all of the above. So maybe talk about you know or dive into how that's prepared you uh, and the similarities there of having to deal with that on a life basis versus you know having to deal with other curveballs and overcome those obstacles in your business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're not exaggerating. This summer will be our third time moving in two and a half years (laughs) across the country. So it's, it's definitely been, um, a challenge. Some people love that kind of thing. I'm a homebody. I like planting roots. So that has been a big challenge. You guys are
0: seasoned pros. Um,
1: at this point I can, I'm a good packer. That's (laughs) for sure. Um, you know, and you don't always know where you're going to be until it's, a month or two out, where you're even going, and and like I said, that's not that's not a comfortable place for me. Um, but it is it is like you said, just like business, where nothing is certain, and that means that you have to be able to take risks and do the trial and error that's really needed to sort of help you be the most successful in the long run, which I we've talked about um, already today, right? That that risk taking as sort of a necessity. Um, I think another thing that sort of has comes to mind is this need to stay connected to your why. I think which sounds maybe a little, <laughs> I don't know, meta for some, for some folks, but but it is something that we talk about with our our one-on-one clients with nutrition as well, right? Is is it's there's challenges to a health and fitness journey, right? There are ups and downs, and it's so easy to get bogged down or demotivated by those downs right and even though they're inevitable but if you can stay connected to the why of what you're doing um it's that much more likely that you'll kind of get through that valley to the other side so if your only goal is to lose weight and that's it and you have a certain number in mind it's very hard to hit that goal if the reason you want to lose weight is because you want to be able to play with your grandchildren till you're 85 or whatever um that's a much stronger why, right? And it's, a, it's something that can carry you through some of those downturns, so to speak. Um, and I think that's been the same thing, you know, not to draw too much of a comparison, but I think to business is really similar where there are inevitable downturns, ups and downs, things that don't go your way. And if you're not deeply connected to the reason you're doing all of this, it's very easy to want to give up. Um, and so the more connected that you are to the why, um, the more likely you are to continue to act right through that valley, so that you've got the motivation to um, to keep. Yeah, going. no,
0: absolutely, and I think that leads me to two additional questions. Well, first, we didn't dive into what is the why, what is the mission or vision behind Fueled, um, and what you're trying to accomplish.
1: Yeah, so Fueled as a nutrition coaching and education company. Maybe I maybe I should have said that yeah, at the that's beginning. My, that's but, on me. Um, <laughs> in case you, in case you're just joining us, that's what it is. Um, and our mission really is to help people develop what we call sustainable, healthy habits for long-term success. So it's not a quick fix. It's not even really a diet, right? It's this habit-building, lifestyle-changing approach to health and fitness through nutrition, um, which we do primarily through personal nutrition coaching. But we also partner with gyms and fitness studios to provide nutrition support and then also have some employee wellness initiatives. So that's sort of the mission. The vision is really a world in which reliable and relevant nutrition information is accessible to all who want it. So it's not I mean, you know, the world right now is full to, full of information which is a good and a blessing and a curse, right? Um, you can Google a lot of stuff and you, some of that's going to be true. Some of that's going to be false. Some of it's not going to be relevant to you and your situation, right? And so I think a lot of our what we see as our role is to help people navigate through that to what is going to be important for them and their lifestyle. Um, and in terms of accessibility, you know, I want to make sure people understand that nutrition and focusing on nutrition is not just for elite athletes, right? It's not just for people with a ton of disposable income, although it can be and it is, right? It's really something that we can all benefit from um, no matter where we are sort of in our health journey. And so that's a really important part of it to me is to be able to make sure that people have access to reasonable and reliable information when it comes to nutrition.
0: Yeah. So there's two ways you can go about that. You can, you know, find someone like Allie and pay for their services or just make her your best friend. Like I did and text her anytime you have (laughs) a question about what's on your label. Um, but no, you mentioned, you mentioned sustainable practices when it comes to nutrition goals or health goals. Um, but I think, like in most things in life, success, no matter what you're talking about, there's similarities across it. Um, so what are some suggestions maybe that you have in terms of setting up sustainable business practices uh, that you followed and have led to your success as far? That's
1: a good question. I, I don't think this is everyone's approach, um, but I tend to be a thinker. And so I think it's important to take the time to lay a solid foundation, right? A structure of habits. And that's exactly what we do with our clients, right? We talk about how to instill daily habits into your existing sort of framework, right? Your lifestyle and how we can use that to multiply the motivation that you need to kind of add more and more, right? But it takes time. It's not this overnight thing where all of a sudden your diet is transformed, right? It's really about taking the time to lay a solid foundation of habits. And I think in that regard, it's a lot like what I've tried to do with the business, right? Which is laying, taking the time to put a structure in place that will help us be successful years from now. So, for example, um, we have a team of coaches now, but before I even brought on the first coach besides myself, I put significant resources, frankly, into creating guidelines and, and expectations and putting together a handbook of policies and procedures, all these things that for a while were just kind of living in my head, right, mostly, um, while it was just me. And all of these documents are, of course, like living and breathing and change as we as a company evolve. But I, I hope that that both allows my coaches and me to have a smoother onboarding process, right, so people are more prepared For what they need to do and what I expect of them and for me to get a better outcome and sort of a a standardized experience or quality of service for our clients, right? But it's very easy if someone, you know, if it's just me and I'm bringing on another coach for me to just tell them everything they need to do, but then you add the second or third coach and you're doing that all over again, right? And so for me, it was worth the time up front to put a lot of that in place, knowing where I wanted the business to go, which was... A, a big team of diverse coaches across the country that that support clients in their unique but still high quality ways and 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 meeting my expectations for that um it probably seemed like a, a lot of time and money spent on that when we are we're and we very small but it again it's it's about laying that groundwork that foundation um with the future in mind. And I think that's a lot of the same thing that we try to do with our nutrition clients. So it's really about taking that time to set yourself up for success. It may seem like overkill, but in my experience, it's been well worth it in the long run.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, a private equity firm that provides individuals access to highly vetted commercial real estate investments. To learn more about Excelsior, head to excelsiorgp.com. That's e x. C-E-L-S-I-O-R-G-P dot com. Yeah, I mean, I think preparation is everything, right? And that's essentially what you're doing. Yeah. Um, for those of you that are familiar with Excelsior, uh, we tried to hire Allie before Fueled, uh, specifically <laughs> for that purpose because she has a unique talent um for preparation and building a foundation. I think that comes through in in Fueled for sure. Um, so maybe Let's switch gears just a tad uh, and just dive into to leadership, right? You're a completely, as I mentioned earlier, completely remote business, uh, mostly online. A lot of your clients, a lot of your team members are spread throughout the country in different locations. Maybe some yeah. of them you've met, some of them you haven't, I don't know. What does leadership look like to you within the context of a completely online remote business?
1: That's a good question. There are, I think, some unique challenges when it comes to fully remote teams, which a lot of us entrepreneurs are not have, you know, since COVID really been discovering, right? There are some unique challenges, especially when it comes to culture and, um, and like you said, leadership, but I think it's important to try to strike the right balance between Structure and support, and also freedom, right? Because I want the team to feel supported and connected, just like I want our clients to feel. That, that, Right, that's a common thread there. But I don't want it to be. I don't want to micromanage them, right? And that's really difficult to do when you don't have eyes on everything that's going on. Um, and I think you know it's not always easy to sense or or see how much you're valued when you are a remote team, right? It's not like my actions are. Um, are always really obvious to folks. To me, it is, right? Because I know how much I value my team members and our clients, but I don't know that all, that always comes across very easily when you're communicating exclusively online or over the phone, right? It's just, it's just harder to demonstrate that. And so, of course, this is something I'm still figuring out, but one of the things that I try to do um, is be very explicit in my communication with them about, Um, especially when I have praise for them. Right. So one of the things I try not to say is I appreciate you. I don't remember who told me that, but it, it stick, it stuck with me that that's very unspecific and kind of meaningless. Right. I appreciate you like for what? Right. And so I try to be again, very direct in terms of, I appreciate that. You always make yourself accessible to our clients, right? Or that you proactively are seeking out solutions to problems. Like being very kind of clear with feedback, positive in this case, but, you know, negative is the same thing so that they're feeling as supported as they can be when I am not there, right? And in real life. Um, I think another thing that can help, but again, requires time and resources is looking for ways to invest in my team's growth as coaches and as people and really making that an intentional part of our company's culture. So I encourage them to bring me opportunities that they think would make them a better coach. And it's always worth an ask, right? We may be able to help them do that. Um, We have annual stipends that they can put towards continuing education courses or certifications that they wanna do, books that they wanna read that are, you know, related to nutrition or coaching. Um, It's not a huge budget that we have set aside for that, right? But to me, it's the principle of making that a priority, even now, even as we are a small company, so that as we grow, that continues to be um, sort of a pillar of our culture, if that makes sense. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. And I love all of that. Um, I specifically wrote down the I appreciate you portion because... I use that with our team members. I use that with my fiance, friends, family, whatever. Um, so I'm writing that down. I'm using that going forward. I didn't steal it, so don't <laughs> don't claim that I did. Um, well, I stole it from
1: somebody, so <laughs> now it's on the free market. You can um, that's
0: going to be a hard one to work on because I use it so often uh, as a way to just try to signify that you know I'm thinking about the person and I you know sincerely do appreciate whatever it is that you know they provided. Um, and so yeah. that's going to be a change for me for sure. I think you know staying within the leadership realm, but slightly you know pivoting a little bit, something that I talk about pretty regularly is that you know wellness is a business strategy, and for you being in the wellness space, I think it's important from a leadership perspective of you know walking the walk, right? I know you obviously mm-hmm. um, and and know how important health and wellness is to you, but being a business owner is time consuming, right? It can be incredibly demanding. So how do you continue to focus on your health, right? Um, when you're on call, I'm assuming most of the time, right? You know, you've got clients, team members in different time zones, um, than what you're in, you move different time zones pretty regularly. Um, you know, how do you continue to focus on your own health? Uh, and what are some things that maybe you recommend to, to those that are struggling with that right now
1: yeah that is a good that's a great question because you see it all over the news about how burnt out <laughs> small business owners are right and and a lot of us are burnt out not just small business owners but there is a there is a different demand it feels like when you are an entrepreneur because like I said before it's very hard to disconnect your own self and your own worth from the company's success and that's You know, something I'm working on, but that's, I think where part of the difficulty stems from is of course you want to go above and beyond, right. And put your best foot forward, regardless of the time of day. Um, And we talk to our clients so much about setting boundaries, right. And how important that is for health and fitness success, right. I mean, if you're going to only have one drink at a happy hour, no matter what else, everyone else is doing around you, right. Um, or, you know, if you're protecting your Sunday afternoons for meal prep time, or you're committing to a certain bedtime, you know, it's all about setting guardrails or boundaries within your life, within your schedule to make those things happen. And that's what I need to do. And it's a lot easier said than done, just like you said to, you know, not answer emails after nine, right. Or put my phone down during lunch so I can have a mindful meal, um, I think others, like I said, who don't run businesses feel the same way, but it is, it is just extra hard because the business feels like such a direct reflection of me and my effort, right? Um, but you have to remember that you are modeling the behavior or I'm modeling the behavior that I want to see in my clients, right? In a lot of ways, whether we mean to or not, coaches become role models, right? And so you want to, it helps to keep that in mind, right? It helps to keep in mind that, you are, you are setting an example uh, for those that you want to see succeed. So I think that's part of it. Um, but that said, I think it's also good to see our clients um, or have our clients know that we are human, right? And that I too, and the co- other coaches too, we struggle with a lot of the same things. It's not that it's always so easy to have a perfect meal, right? Or wake up at 5 a.m. or whatever it is that you're doing. And so, I think that that helps them know that the struggles are normal and then also that they can be worked through, right? That they're not insurmountable. If you say, hey, I've been there, here are some strategies that helped me sort of get through that. Here I am on the other side of this challenge, at least. I think that that can be really motivating for people, again, who are on a health and wellness journey, who can see themselves reflected in that and also be encouraged by what the progress that they've seen other people make, um, including the other coaches and myself. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, my coaching background is certainly not as substantial as what yours is, but I was a, you know, let's call it what it is. I was a CrossFit coach um, back in the day. (laughs) And one of the things that I wasn't expecting that kind of hit me hard when I started was walking into the gym at 5:30 a.m. when you just don't, you don't want to be there, you know? Um, and the impact that that energy has on, you know, the, the members, the gym members that come into the gym. And so, you know, I think initially I tried to hide it. Um, and then as I become, became more familiar with it, I just tried to be upfront with it and, and put it on them yeah. to, to, okay, let, you know, let's bring the energy together. Like let's all lift each other up. And that doesn't come through, I think as, it's not as highlighted in the business world, but it is certainly true. And when yeah. you're a manager or an owner or, you know, whatever it might be, um, you know, there's, there's just gonna be days where you don't have it. And you build that team around you and you, um, you know, find ways to, to make the most of it and to overcome it. Um, I think that's incredibly, incredibly important. I appreciate the insight there. Uh, you did mention, and I kind of wanted to get into goal setting, right? And, but in the same sentence, you also mentioned boundaries, which is something that I talked about with one of our good friends, Trey Fitch, uh, shout out HW Athletics last week, um, because boundaries are just as important about in terms of creating a framework as, you know, pointing yourself to where you want to go. So maybe talk about those two and how they relate um, and, and maybe, you know, how you talk to your clients about each of those.
1: Yeah. Let's start with boundaries because I think you're right. I think that's not talked about so often in sort of business culture, if for lack of a better word. There's a lot of emphasis on hustle, right? And that, and I, I'm pro hustle, right? Like you got to work to get things done. But I think what gets lost in that is the need to, and this goes back to your, your point about wellness being a business strategy, your need to take care of yourself in order to be able to show up as your best self and do your best work, right? If you are not setting boundaries on your time, um, on your consumption, on your sleep, that's not gonna, ha- at least in my experience, that's never helped me be a better business owner, right? If anything, I show up worse, I do a worse job. And so I think it can feel like taking a break, right? To set boundaries, um, but really what that's doing is, is saying no to some things allows you to say yes to other things, right? And that's what it's about: is saying yes and putting your time, um, and your money, sort of where your mouth is, right? And doing and making time through those through setting those boundaries and those guidelines making time to do the things that matter to you the most, right? And so just as an example for our clients, you know, a lot of people feel like they don't have time to prepare their own meals, which I I get, right? There are some busy people out there and that's not a priority. Um, or, you know, there's just, it's just, there's other things that take their time, right? And maybe they get a meal prep service or whatever. Not everyone is is able to, is in the position to do that. And so you kind of do have to look at, you know your your schedule and say okay you know be honest with yourself you said you don't have time for this you did spend 6 hours watching football and that's cool if football is your priority but if you're telling me that your health is like let's find a let's find mm-hmm. a way to fit that in right and make sure that where what you're saying matters to you is reflected in where your time and resources are spent right and so that's a that's a little bit of how we talk about setting boundaries as far as goal setting, I mean, a lot of us have heard about SMART goals, right? Like that's all over the place um, in terms of the, you know, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time bound. A lot, you know, that's a, that's a very common framework. Um, and it's not a bad framework. It's good. But I think for me, we like to place a lot of emphasis on the attainable part and think about, okay, what is, what is reasonable to expect? given the amount of effort that I'm either willing to or able to put in. And that goes back to the boundary setting too, right? Is what can I, what kind of, what rate of progress can I expect given the effort that I'm able to put forth in in this endeavor, right? Um, A lot of goal setting is also about setting expectations. And in my experience in health and business (laughs) across the board, real lasting progress is, is often slow and steady, right? It takes time and it comes from consistency day in and day out, not a power hour, right? Or not one week of hitting it hard. And so you do have to think about what is reasonable to sort of fit into your current lifestyle. Um, and that said, we often encourage our clients to think about goals or habits that they're eight out of 10 confident that they can do. That's the number I like to use because if it's 10 out of 10, And it's a slam dunk. That's too easy, right? That's not asking much of us. We want a bit of a push, but we also want it to be something that they can indeed see themselves doing day after day. And then when you have success with that, it sort of breeds more motivation, right? That you can build on top of rather than you try something extreme, you fail, and then you give up. So I think, you know, not to say we shouldn't shoot for the moon, but in order to get to the moon, We often have to take tiny steps and that's about setting reasonable, attainable goals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you're still into the whole vision board um, thing. I know. Oh,
1: I love a vision board. Yeah, I
0: knew you guys used to do them. You and Ben used to do them together. I I know you would do your own. So Britt and I started doing them last year and we got to end of 2023 and we started looking at it and we hit everything, right? And the first feeling was, wow, we knocked everything off that we wanted to. And then I think we both kind of had a moment where we were like, well, if we hit every single goal that we had on our vision board, did we aim high enough? And so that's, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we've created a rough draft for 2024. Now we're working on, um, you know, try to finalize that. And we're evaluating, you know, are we, we don't want to hit, shoot too high, but are we aiming high enough? And yeah. as we put, you know, specific, there's only so much you can put on a vision board. As we put specific goals up there, are we thinking about actionable steps for those that are maybe a little bit more lofty in terms of how we can get there?
1: Yeah, that's a great way to think about it. So you and Britt are doing a great job. We often, um, with Fueled, distinguish between outcome goals and process goals, right? Um, and an outcome goal is something that you would see on a vision board, or it might be you know, hitting a new back squat PR or um, losing X pounds or whatever. Like That's an outcome, right? Um, But if you just focus on that, how are you going to get there, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where the process-based goals come into play that you're talking about, where how can I get concrete about what I am doing on a weekly or daily basis that may seem small but is what I need to do in order to inch closer towards that outcome that I'm trying to achieve.
0: Yeah. So just for clarity's sake, when you come up with a – Outcome goal for each of those outcome goals, then do you put together a set of process goals around them?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, like we talked about before, you want to know why. Why is that outcome based goal important to you? Um, And sometimes that helps. uh, This is an aside, but sometimes that helps you actually get to what the outcome goal really is, Mm -hmm. right? So, a lot, and I'll continue with this weight loss example because I think that's something people understand. A lot of times people say, I want to weigh. X pounds. If you really peel back the onion and you figure out what, why is that? It's not about the number on the scale, right? It's about some way that they felt about themselves when they weighed that amount, you know, some years before or whatever it is. It's not really about the number on the scale. It's like, Hey, I just want to feel really, I want to feel confident in my own skin again. And that's actually the outcome. Right. And so we asked them, you know, if you could achieve that And the number on the scale is something different, would that still be a success? And oftentimes the answer is yes, if you if you're being honest with yourself. Right. And so the why helps sort of narrow down or clarify the outcome goal. And then just like you said, you want to outline specific process based goals or habits is probably is maybe a better word um, that will help you get there on a daily basis. Right. So it's and that can be really hard to connect sometimes in our head, right? If I choose broccoli instead of fries as my side at this restaurant, I don't achieve my outcome goal because of that one decision, right? But that one decision is very important because it's those tiny decisions, those those habits, right? Day in, and day out that actually add up to the outcome that I'm trying to get at, right? I'm either taking one step forward or one step back with essentially all those tiny decisions that I make. And so You lay out those process goals. And then when those are difficult, right, when they're not the things that we want to do, that's when you can kind of think back to your outcome goal, think back to your why, and remember why it is that you're doing those things day in and day out.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's something like, you know, the similarities between this conversation and my conversation with Trey are just astounding. Obviously, I mean, we all, you know, come from the same group and and used to work out together and we're all in different parts of life now, but obviously we, you know, built a certain foundation together. So, you know, it makes sense that these are all coming through. Um, I think, you know, we could probably talk about this for days. We could go down an incredible rabbit hole. I think it's a good spot to end it for this conversation. We'd love to have you back, but I do have a bonus round question. Um,
1: you're but getting, yeah. you're
0: getting ready to have a baby, a baby boy. Um, yes. Are you in the third trimester now or getting close?
1: Not yet. Not yet. Still hanging out in the second trimester, 22 weeks, 22 right 22 weeks. Now at the time of recording, that's
0: amazing. Um, so as a small business owner, who is about to have a baby, you're the main revenue driver and about to have one of your biggest life events that you'll ever have, Mm -hmm. um, requires a lot of personal time, rightfully so. Right. Um, I think it's incredibly important to, and, you know, I've discussed this about, you know, spending that quality time with a newborn, um, as you think about going into that part of your life, what are some things that you're thinking about that maybe? Um, you'd like to pass on to other women that are entering this amazing, important and exciting, exciting, time in their life, but they're also the main revenue driver for their business. And, you know, you want to talk about work-life balance, it's, you know, about to get a whole new level. Uh, <laughs> what, what advice would you, would you give?
1: Yeah, we, uh, Ben and I also have monthly and annual goal setting, discussions vision sharing discussions like you guys so we had one of those recently about what exactly what you're talking about what this year is going to look like for for us as a partnership but then also me and us as a business and i and i think the answer frankly would have been very different if i had not been building out our team these last few years right if i were still a solopreneur so to speak it would be very difficult for me to continue the business and spend the time with my new son that I plan and expect to do, um, because that's such a high priority for me. Um, I I don't know that there's a way to do that, at least at the beginning, without temporarily pausing our practices, right? If it were just me. And I say that just to be really transparent, because I think there's a lot of there are a lot of people out there who talk about having it all and wanting to be a, and I'm the same way. I want to be a career, you know, focused woman and a wonderful mom and wife. And I, I think I can be all those things, but not always at the same time, right? There are ebbs and flows, I think in our, um, our life and depending on what stage we are at other things sort of, you know, come to the foreground or get, get put on the back burner or whatever. I, I, this will not surprise you because you know me, but a lot of this was really intentional. I wanted to build out a team before we started our family so that Fueled could continue on, even if I'm taking a step back. So I'll still be um, really active in the management of the coaches and the, some of the higher administrative stuff, but I really trust my team to deliver the services to our clients that they need so that their experience can be fairly uninterrupted. And I, talk about appreciating them. I could not do that without them on board and spend the time with my um, son that I want to spend. So I think, you know, we talked about laying the groundwork. That was a very intentional move on my part to lay a, lay the groundwork, lay a foundation of a team that I could trust where if I am taking a step back temporarily, I can trust them to continue on um, the mission in a way that I, you know, that, that meets my expectations. And so that was a big part of it. Um, It is hard when, you know, I don't have a maternity paid maternity leave, right? Like I'm sort of just makeshift trying to figure this out. Um, But you know, while I'm still feeling good and I have the time, I've been doing a lot of front loading work, right. In terms of content development and um, you know, having things that can be automated throughout those first few months at least that can um that again so my my absence or my step back is is minimally disruptive um but I do just want to reiterate that we you know we think we can have it all and I do think there's something to that but we're also just human and there are going to be times where things that matter a lot to you are more or less prominent um depending on what other life things you've got going on and I don't think that that's something to be ashamed of, right? I think that that's very normal. And I, I'm not like, you know, I'm not apologetic for the fact that I want to be there for my son in a way that um, I know not everybody can be. And and I'm grateful for entrepreneurship in that regard, to allow me the flexibility um, to do that and to have both as much as possible.
0: Yeah, well, having known you for as long as I have um, I'm not going to count because it would take too long uh, at this (laughs) point. Um, But I know that from the outside looking in, it's going to look like you are having it all and you're crushing it. Um, But internally, I know there's going to be a lot of struggle there as well. And you have a lot of insight uh, and perspective. Like I said, at the beginning, one of the things I did leave out at the beginning in terms of introduction was your intentionality um, and I, I have a feeling that given your background there and the experience that I have with that ex- intentionality, uh, you know, you are going to be more prepared than most in terms of front loading. Um, so I can't wait to hear the advice that you have, you know, six, 12 months from now, um, uh, looking back and just comparing it to, to what us on the outside see. Um, cause I know you're going to crush both and you're going to have it all. So Allie, um, thank you so much for the time. This has been incredibly insightful. I always appreciate hearing your um, you know, perspective. I know I'm going to have you on again. and can't wait for that. Uh, but thank you for the time. Really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I, it's always a pleasure to talk with you on or offline. So um, thank you for the opportunity. And it was so much fun. All
0: right. Thanks, Allie.